Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Center, and I have a very interesting podcast coming up today. Starting off, we're going to have Jerry Sandusky, the voice of the Baltimore Ravens. He'll be coming on. We'll talk Ravens and some AFC North. I'll also talk about the NBN NHL playoffs. They have both been finished and they were won on the same night, Thursday night. And also, a Ravens player was turned away from the Ravens' mini mandatory minicamp because he wasn't in good enough shape. More on that. And has the Warriors' dynasty come to an end? We'll talk about that much, much more on Sports with Yosef. And you should just a quick reminder you should check out my videos on sportscaster.com, C A S T R. They're very entertaining. I do. Uh, different analysis there. I do play-by-plays there. I'm actually not doing any videos in June, but I've got plenty of videos for you to catch up on for the many I did in April and May, and I'm going to be doing a bunch over July and August, so definitely check that out as well as my other podcasts of Sports with Yosef. Over the winter, there was heartbreaking news from Baltimore sports as Joe Angel, the longtime voice of the Orioles, retired from broadcasting. He was an iconic figure in Baltimore, and I talked about his retirement on another podcast, which you should definitely check out. Mm-hmm. Joe's counterpart, Jerry Sandusky, is also an iconic part of the Ravens. He's got some of his most rec- well-recognized phrases. Let's put that hey in the barn. So, so the talk Ravens, joining me on Sports with Yosef, is Jerry Sandusky. Jerry, thanks for joining me on Sports with Yosef. How are you doing? My pleasure, buddy. I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, the Ravens, they changed offensive coordinators from Gre- to Greg Roman from Marty Morningweg. How will the Ravens' offense change with a new voice on Lamar's helmet and having a playbook made for him, for him from day one of the offseason? Well, I think it gives Lamar a more you know, grounded sense that this is an offense that is going to be designed around his unique skill set. He has an explosive level of quickness. He also has something that most people aren't aware of, and that is an amazing field vision. I mean, Lamar sees plays as they unfold before they unfold. They think like Wayne Gretzky in hockey. Lamar Jackson has that same kind of instinct, intuition. His his vision moves at, a, at the same speed as his quickness. So the offense is built around not just executing plays, but giving him a lot of latitude to make something out of the play itself that might not be there as it was originally drawn up. Um, and the Ravens got him a lot of playmakers in the draft. What do you think of Marquise Brown and the Ravens, uh, the guys that they got in the draft? You know, I haven't really gotten a chance to see Hollywood Brown because he's been hurt. So I, n- nobody's really seen him. The, the tape, it looks like he might be an unbelievably explosive player. It looks like he's going to be a big-time special teams performer, the kind of guy that can take you know a little hitch pass two yards from the line of scrimmage and go 80 yards down the sideline. And I, and I think when we get our first look at him in a Ravens uniform at training camp, that's what we're going to look to see. Can, can this guy break a game wide open on one play, one short catch, and go to the house? And can he force defenses to change and account for him? Because if he can do that, then you can't stuff eight, nine guys in the box and just try to take away the run game. Yeah, um, they also got Mark Ingram, which will definitely be helping out in the run game. But the Ravens, one of the biggest problems that I really saw in the 2018 season was they came out flat in games, in high-stake games that they played the week before. They After they lost to the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Browns, they came out really just flat the next week, and they lost. Uh, they lost two of those three games. What's going on with that, and how can they make sure that that does not happen after the loss to the Chargers in the wild card weekend? Well, I think the loss of the Chargers on Wild Card Weekend had more to do with the middle of the offensive line really struggling with the Chargers than anything else. You know, flat sometimes is a function of you're not executing your plays. Everybody always wants, mm-hmm. wants to know what comes first, execution or chemistry, and like, there's no science to it. I mean, football is an emotional game. 
And it is hard to stay, you know, on an emotional high week in, week out. But you have to get to the point where you can execute at a high level week in and week out. And that will be one of the challenges for this offense. It's a young group. I mean, you've got a young right tackle. You've got a young quarterback. You've got young tight ends. You've got young wide receivers. So I I think you just have to brace yourself for the fact that there are going to be those peaks and valleys and periods of, of inconsistency. That's the nature of a team that has young players. Yeah, well, the offense was, is going to be young in 2019. The defense, well, in 2018, they had a bunch of veterans, and they lost a bunch of vet- veterans in free agency. And honestly, just 12 sucks looks weird in number 56 in a Cardinals uniform. But for, I realized for the, for the first time under John Harbaugh that they do not have a veteran leader um, on defense right away. Who's going to step up? It will be Earl Thomas coming in from the Seahawks, or is he going to have to earn that respect? Or maybe on Wasu Humphrey, who do you think is going to step up to be that leader on defense that they need? I think Tony Jefferson is the first guy that steps up and becomes the first vocal voice. Earl Thomas will have to earn that respect. He had he brings the respect with him. I mean, he's a six-time Pro Bowler, so there's yeah, no shortage for, of respect. I mean, chemistry is right. Chemistry is something that has to emerge. You know, the guy he takes over for Eric Weddle was a guy who, who brought a tremendous amount of street cred when he came to the Ravens. But really, it wasn't until his second year that he was you know, exerting a lot of that leadership that comes from going through games, coming up with big plays, making clutch plays, all those things that guys revolve and rally around. That has to play out. It's, you know, respect is not something that you just show up and it's on your, it's on your, like, your uniform number. Respect mm-hmm. is something that you earn in your current setting over a period of time. De- definitely, um, and honestly, Eric Weddle said that you you have to be a, to be a Raven. You have to beat the Steelers at Pittsburgh, and the Ravens this year are playing the Steelers, and they're not playing in a prime time game. At least originally scheduled, they might make the week seventeen game to prime time, and I'm really annoyed about that. But the Steelers, you don't they don't have Antonio Brown, they don't have Le'Veon Bell. What's going to happen to them? It will be the same thing with the Bengals when AJ Green's injured. When AJ Green's there, you roll the coverage to AJ Green. When AJ Green isn't there, you roll the coverage to Tyler Boyd, and Tyler Boyd has a really bad game. Will be the same thing with Antonio Brown, Juju Smith Schuster. What's going to happen? So here's the thing: the great rivalries teach you over the years, whether those are college or pro, the names change, but the nature of the rivalry does not change. Mm-hmm. Look, people wonder how will this rivalry ever continue without Ray Lewis and Troy Polamalu, without Ed Reed in the secondary, without Chris McAllister, without you know fill in the blank, and you you realize that all of a sudden, no. The, the Ravens don't have Terrell Suggs. No, they don't have Ed Reed. No, they don't have Ray Lewis. But you know what? It's still an unbelievable game. It's still a game that comes down to a last-second field goal. It's still a game that has huge stakes. It's still a game that both cities rally around and sit on the edge of, of their seats for the entire 60 minutes. So the game is bigger than any one player, and the rivalry can, will, and does endure big-name players coming and going. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Steelers are going to have a good season this year, or is the loss of, everyone, of all their offensive weapons too much? If there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's I can't predict anything. I once predicted Bills to win the Super Bowl four years in a row. I, I, I once predicted Ravens to be one and done in the playoffs, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. I, I am not in the prediction business, and that's part of the reason I love football so much, is that the things you think are going to happen don't always happen. The things you never see coming happen. Players emerge who you've never heard of. The players who you expect to be rock stars sometimes disappear and it's not just following the storylines that you anticipate that make it fun. It's the storylines that you never saw coming that wrap around you and drag you through a game season. And, and that's what creates the, the drama that is the NFL. 
Well, one of the storylines you might have never seen coming was the Browns actually picking a quarterback in the draft that is good. And with they've got that with Baker Mayfield. Do you buy into the Browns with Odell Beckham and Baker Mayfield? Well, I buy into the fact that they've got a ton of talent. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that team is loaded in the backfield, tight end, wide receiver, quarterback. They've got some great young defensive players. They are finally a talent-rich team. Now, can they turn that into a winning team? That's going to be the storyline question that they have to face. They have a rookie head coach. They've got some star players. Will he manage them? If he does, they're going to be tough to beat. If he doesn't, they can beat themselves. So, really, here's the question. Somebody's going to beat the Cleveland Browns this year. Is it going to be another opponent, or is it going to be the Cleveland Browns? That's their storyline, and the season will answer that story. Yeah, I feel like that almost is the storyline with every year for the Browns. They've all, I mean, the AFC North has always so just got so much talent in there. And what about the Bengals? They're always so potent. That something always happens to keep them back. But A.J. Green, man, is he hard to stop. What's going to happen with them? Yeah, A.J. Green has been a nightmare for the Ravens. I think he's beaten them four or five times, big fourth quarter catches. And you have mm-hmm. to respect his ability to make plays. They, to me, are kind of the wild card of the AFC North and by wild card, I don't mean the playoff wild card. I mean the unpredictable team because their head coach has no experience in that role. They've lost some talent. Uh, Andy Dalton now has to work in a completely different system. He's had some injuries over the years. They got rid of uh, Vontez perfect. They've had big changes there. So they could go in either direction. I would be surprised if they were extremely good. I would not be surprised if they struggled just because of all the changes. They might need a year or two to, kind of settle down but to me they are the most unpredictable team in the AFC North mm-hmm. and I will not ask you to predict uh, the Ravens schedule this season as you don't all buy predictions but if there was one player the Ravens really need to step up this year on defense who's it going to be Tim Williams great pass rusher coming out of college and with the loss of great pass rushers they need somebody to become a force to be the bookend to Matt Judon. You know what you have in Matt Judon. The Ravens need Tim Williams to be an offensive wrecker and a game changer. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. That was Jerry Sandusky, the voice of the Ravens on Sports with Jose. And another couple of broadcasters last night were able to call some big plays and a couple of them, the NHL Championship. It was Game 7. Bruins, Blues, the Bruins were able to win that one. I'm sorry, the Blues won that one to end the shot of... Three championships. One for Boston. But in the NBA, a very different story. Toronto Raptors, they beat the Warriors. Yes, it is possible to beat the Warriors if your name is not LeBron James. And they they won at Golden State. They did it in a, in a very interesting packed series. And they won the first ever championship for, for Toronto, for the Toronto Raptors. But the interesting part of this, Kevin Durant was injured pretty much the whole series. He had calf injuries, and then in Game 5 in Toronto, the Warriors, which they ended up winning that one when they were down 3-1, he tore his Achilles, or I think, I'm pretty sure it's tore. It was really bad news for him. And the Warriors, Durant was such a huge part, and I was not 100% sure of this, but I saw earlier today that... It doesn't look too good for the Warriors. Clay Thompson. I believe he tore his ACL. That could really hold them back. A Warriors team, which is always the, the Splash Brothers, well, they're not going to have that. And yes, you can always says, say, oh man, 
there's a torn ACL. It's a they're not really sure what's gonna happen with it. But Steph Curry, I saw this astounding stat. I believe it was in the NBA Finals, but I'm not sure. It was definitely in that he had eight shots in the last 20 seconds to win, and I don't remember the exact time period they were looking. 20 seconds left in the game, he had eight shots. He's 0 for 8. He had another one last night. If it, that goes in, the Warriors won, win. They forced game 7. Curry cannot make the shot at the end of the game. Maybe that's what you want Durant for. But the Warriors regime, their dynasty might be coming to an end. Kevin Durant, well, will there be even be a market for him now with all these injuries? He's definitely not going to be able to easily get the four-year deal he wants, the mega contract. There's a chance he could stay with the Warriors, honestly. If the Warriors are like, you know what, we don't have Clay for a little bit. It worked really well when we had Kevin and Curry together. Yeah, you know what, let's try that again. That could definitely happen. I would be okay with that if I'm a Warriors fan and you keep Durant. Yeah. You don't know what he's going to be like after his injury, but he's most likely going to be very dominant. And I think it would be a smart decision if the Warriors would decide to do that. But you're also going to have all these different NBA free agents. Durant's going to have to decide what he wants. I'm pretty sure every team in the NBA wants him. But it's going to be up to Kevin to say, Hey, you know what? I, want to... I miss not winning a championship. It's tough. I mean, I've only won, like... I have to go a year in between winning a championship? Huh, I'm not feeling that. Maybe I should stay with the Warriors. That could be what he wants. And that's a decision that Kevin will have to make. As the offseason comes and the NBA free agent market starts. But to the Ravens, the Ravens, they had a player that they turned over, that Harbaugh sent him home because he was not in good enough condition, Michael Pierce. Well, it was not. The way he wanted to start. He was not at anything, anything before the mandatory minicamp for the Ravens. And while well, he was he was listed at 340 pounds. And it did not look to the Ravens coaches like he was anywhere near that number. They thought he was well over. So they sent him home for his safety concerns. They did not want him to get injured. Uh, Ravens defensive coordinator Wink Martindale not happy. That Pierce was unable to do it. But Earl Thomas, well, he's had to deal with transforming to a new and complicated system. In Seattle, I mean, the Seahawks just play cover, th- straight cover three. But on the Ravens, he has to think. And it's taken a little bit of time for him to get used to it. But it is looking good for him. And Lamar Jackson, he started to get some really good chemistry with some guys. The Ravens offense looks very potent with their wide receivers. Our, uh, Marquise Brown is yet to be on the field. So he's still... S- Struggling with injuries, but he will hopefully be ready for training camp come July. And of course, every year the Ravens find some guy, an undrafted rookie free agent, to make it onto the roster. The streak's gone on for many years. I mean, you could talk about some great players in that. Of course, Justin Tucker is one of those guys. And it'll definitely be interesting to see who they get on, if anyone, this year to come away as one of their undrafted rookie free agents to continue. That streak, and will the Ravens be able to continue their preseason dominance? They've not lost a game flag for the last four or five years in the preseason. It's incredibly impressive. I've got my own theories why that'll be another podcast. You should definitely check out my other podcast, but thank you for listening to this one. I'm Yosemite Center. Can't wait to do another one. I'll see you next time.